Welcome to another edition of the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Drew, recording from the beautiful Flathead Valley. It's Friday, March 18th. Ted Kaczynski, known as the Unabomber, brought a lot of attention to the small town of Lincoln, Montana during his high-profile arrest in 1996 following a spree of bombings. Several documentaries, TV movies, and shows have been inspired by Kaczynski, but the latest film, Ted K., which had its North American premiere in Missoula in February, takes a different lens to this main character. Tony Stone wrote, directed, and produced Ted K., and earlier this week, I spoke with him about his work in the film industry, what it was like bringing the story to life, and how important Montana and the town of Lincoln was to the process. Ted K. was the subject of the Flathead Beacons cover story this week, written by my colleague Mike Kortenbrock, so if you haven't yet picked up a copy of the Flathead Beacon and read through that story, you should do so now. Before we get to that conversation with director Tony Stone, a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Plus, they get some extra perks, too. So to find out more or join today, visit BeaconEditorsClub.com. My name is Tony Stone. I'm the director writer, producer, and editor of Ted K. Well, Tony, I kind of want to start a little bit with your background in in film in general. You've directed several films. Uh, How did you kind of get into the work and and talk to me a little bit about your career direction? Yeah, I guess I've always been into films that were very immersive. So some of my favorite filmmakers on either side of the spectrum were definitely people like Werner Herzog, who would throw themselves into the jungle of South America and make a movie in, in bed for a few months, uh, to then even the other extreme, but um, somebody like Michael Mann in Heat, you know, that would basically also use preparation as part of their embed into the characters. So uh, I just always kind of liked, yeah, films that created a experience more than anything else so that you would be put in the place of the characters and you could feel as much as possible. And using images and music to really crank up the emotion watching a movie. So that's where I did decide to take uh, the advice of some filmmakers and just go make a movie on my own with very few uh, resources and made a low-budget backyard epic uh, Viking film called Severed Ways. Um, And that was about 12, 13 years ago. And just decided to throw myself into that process. So as with most of my films, I do everything on it, but even that went even a little further. So even did the hair, some of the hairstyling, building sets to (laughs) almost every aspect of the process. So also I could learn from it. Um, But I'm also somebody that really enjoys seeing single authorship of a film or a work of art. And whether that fails or is a success is more interesting than watching something watered down. So my approach from the beginning has been just sort of throwing myself full on into a project and trying to find stories that I think are interesting that aren't usually depicted in, in, in Hollywood or in the traditional movie making system um, in terms of how they're portrayed and the topic themselves. So that's where the North Discovery America was very interesting, sort of the alternative history of America 
and the Norse coming to, to America in 1007 AD. And then my next film, Peter and the Farm, was about a rugged back-to-the-lander in Vermont who was part of this sort of dying breed generation. It was very important and timely to kind of capture his story before he would obviously not last because uh, he was a, a, a pretty serious alcoholic and we knew that there was a small window to capture that. And then that led me to Ted Kaczynski, which is you know another story about an iconoclast, but obviously far more damaged uh, American individual than my farming documentary. Um, but was very interested in portraying that world in a way you don't usually see it. And a lot of Ted Kaczynski stuff or anything involving the FBI is usually from the point of view of law enforcement. And to me, that's always the most boring, obviously, in movies and traditional and cliche. So I want to get away from the cliches and just really portray this guy's world and create that experience, like I was saying earlier, my favorite films of just of, of being in this guy's world in his head kind of escape and have, you know, moments of relatable rage with, uh, uh, connecting with Tekazinski, even though you feel very uncomfortable because his actions are so, you know, hideous. What was your first encounter with, with Kaczynski and, and his manifesto and what really kind of started that in your mind? Just the time of the arrest, you know, I was in high school and that, um, was a big event and just getting, snippets of it uh and how it was in the media and he was it was obviously a sensational thing but then actually uh after 9-11 and actually experienced 9-11 just a few blocks from the world trade center was very interested in looking at american terrorism and that label and looking at american so-called terrorists of the past and uh people like john brown and uh and some others um who at the times are considered these madmen and that people reflect differently uh, Ted Kaczynski was much different than John Brown. I mean, he's always be reflected as a madman and uh, you know, political serial killer. But uh, just how will we look back at him as as time evolves and as our technological addictions and our reliance on technology and environmental destruction continues and gets far more worse? How how will we reflect on Ted? You know, I think his actions will take more of a backseat and maybe his ideas will be more interesting. You know, I mean, at the same time, his ideas are also very commonplace. I mean, when he was arrested in the late 90s. Uh, Fox News had a game show of who said this and was it the Unabomber or was it Al Gore? And they would, you know, put up quotes and you'd have to guess who who said what, you know. So um, <laughs> it's uh, the interesting part of the story is when most madmen see themselves as saints, you know, and whether that's in real life or whether that's like the character in Misery. You know, I was just reading Stephen King's uh, book on writing. You know, it's an interesting thing of the insane people see themselves as sane and to go in their shoes. And maybe it's important to kind of look at humanity and society and are we the insane ones? And perhaps we are. And so to depart from our locked in ways and go into another world and see how that feels. Well, with this film, you obviously had a huge, huge mass of, of source material to work with. I mean, thousands upon thousands of pages of, of writings. What was it like to dig into the, the journals and the writings and use all of that when writing the film and, and when it came to bringing it to life? It was exciting because in a way we were just Ted Kaczynski's, you know, the Ted Kaczynski story editor. You know, it was, um, mm. you know, so just trying to find these amazing parts and it would be very exciting. So it was discovery every day going through it. You know, obviously we had so much more that we did want to put into the film. And that was the more trying part of how to condense it. 
But finding these letters to the family that we use for Tegzinski's phone calls to his 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 mom and his brother were gold. And just seeing how open and honest he was. I mean, he wrote these writings expecting nobody would read them, of course. So they're very open, uh, very self-reflective, very sad. And you just do see this lonely person. Um, and so, but it was, it was, it was, it was. Know, investigative into his world, but then we also had the archaeological aspect of being on the exact site where we shot the film too. So that was the other piece of the puzzle where we would, uh, you know, have his writings and learn some of the writings, and then we'd find the artifact on the actual land, and then try to incorporate that into the story. So you know, in a way, the script was always in flux, and we we're always looking to add to it. So that's why we were just always trying to find more and more material because. You know, this one story or this one part of the story would be more interesting than what we had, and we'd swap it out with something else. So, um, you know, it was kind of fun too that we had since we had so much material, the written word. We we didn't felt like we were leaning on this this crutch with the voiceover, which a lot of films can. It becomes this device, and that's why usually it seems pretty phony, you know. But we were using his actual words that create a different significance, and I think when you're watching the film, that's what's so haunting about it is that these words are not altered. You're hearing Ted Kaczynski say his actual thoughts and, you know, sometimes they're very insightful and sometimes they're very dark and disturbing. I know it was mentioned in Mike's piece that you think of, of Montana and, and the area that you got to film on being over in Lincoln um, as a secondary main character um, of, of this film. What was it like both being on that land, which you kind of already mentioned, but then bringing the cabin and the actual scene back to life. I mean, you built the cabin twice. Uh, what was it like bringing the whole set really back to life? Uh, it was very surreal at first. Um, and then it became totally normalized. You know? <laughs> so that's that was very funny. Um, and it looked like all the pictures we had from the FBI uh, archives. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I always like my other film I was mentioning was a period piece. And when, yeah. you, when you make these period pieces in a way, that's the only way you can really sort of time travel, you know? So uh, it's kind of very lucky when you're making these films, you really do go back in time. So it just became very familiar with us. We got comfortable in the cabin and we knew how the stove worked. Uh, and, um, but of course there'd be these moments where, you know, we would, it would be, you know, sort of haunting, for instance, jumping in the root cellar and seeing the leftover chemicals uh, that were there, you know, uh, finding other artifacts that are in the film that we put in the story. Um, so it was exciting. So, you know, we'd be, you know, suddenly we'd find something and say, oh, let's figure out how to, how to put this in the film. So um, I think we were never searching, which allowed us to have a confidence making it, you know, and that's why we wanted to film on the exact land so that we wouldn't need to know, well, what, what, what's the closest we could get? You know, we just got as close as we could get. And that was the big difference. So it allowed some freedom in terms of the documentation of, uh, of the place um, and really push, you know, the, Ted's, Ted's surroundings in the natural world as part of the story, because that obviously impacted Ted in this enormous way. So um, to not have it be the secondary character seemed kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, that's where, you know, finding the caves that Ted Kaczynski probably did his bomb test. You know, we just, um, you know, you just kind of pinch yourselves like this, this is where it happened. And just, you know, I think reliving the history was always exciting for us and the crew, you know, and, and the actor. And then obviously it was another major importance was to let the actor have the most authentic experience so he could have confidence in the performance. You know, he wasn't searching as well, you know? 
Um, so really just trying to create as a, an accurate picture uh, as much as possible of, of the cabin, his land, and then Lincoln is still sort of what it was in the 1990s. Not much has changed. So a lot of those buildings are the same there and the signage and, and just really kind of trying to portray Montana as much as possible. And, and, and so I hope that comes across the film as well. Well, I want to move on a little bit to the actual portrayal of Ted. I mean, Shalta does a, a awesome job, uh, very immersive role. Can you talk a little bit about him taking on this identity? I mean, did he did he break character between scenes? How how immersed in Ted was he? The beginning shoot, since we did shoot over four different seasons and four times, uh, it was kind of fun. The first time he was fully method and didn't leave okay. character, so we had a blast. <laughs> and even his humor was Ted Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski, you know, Ted Kaczynski could be a jerk and he was had this inner wit. And so uh Charlotte was always kind of semi torturing us in a fun way in that first shoot. Um <laughs> and then the next shoot he could kind of go back and forth. And then the shoot uh, after that he was just could be Ted Kaczynski one moment and immediately back into his South African self. So he just knew the character so well. And once he put in the work it was instinctual. And he also could then we could hand him all these diaries of Ted corresponding with his mother, and he could internalize that verbiage, and then out would come Ted Kaczynski, you know, saying the right, uh, you know, the terminology, but not so scripted. So he could ad lib it, um, and that was amazing to just watch him understand Ted so innately, and uh, so it allows us to really have a lot of freedom sometimes to riff, and and, and you know, most of the words coming out were still Ted. Ted Kaczynski's actual writings in those phone call booths, but some of it was obviously altered and he could just kind of just on the fly, uh, just make it seem as natural as possible, you know, because you are trying to take written letters and put them into, you know, into a phone call scene so that to loosen it up, was just, yeah, just moments like that. And his dedication to making sure that the weight was right. You know, Ted was kind of would go back and forth um, between being very, and scrawny and then sometimes more in shape and he talked about his workout regimen so um we kind of just got the whole spectrum so T- Charlotte would give us this amazing range on top of it which is really incredible so we had so much to work with and then that allowed us to kind of make this most believable wound up uh frustrated version of ted that we felt was the most accurate well, the last thing I, I kind of want to hear about is is you had the North American premiere in Missoula. A lot of people in the audience were, you know, very connected to the actual events. A lot of people from from Lincoln, I'm sure, were part of the audience. What was that like doing a premiere so close to not just where you filmed, but where these events were taking place and people had more of a connection than they would otherwise? That was really special. I mean, I think if we... If it wasn't COVID times, it wasn't the middle of winter, maybe we'd have also been trying to do it in Lincoln. But it was just really important to bring it back to Montana and show it to Montana people, Montana audience first, because how incredibly uh, helpful Lincolnites were in making the movie and how, you know, the, the people we work for, I'm sure there's some people there that were very annoyed we were there, but our community that we worked there at Lincoln were really supportive and really helpful and opened up to us, obviously, you know, as I said, told us some of the actual, their interactions with Kaczynski, those stories made it into the film. Um, but then they were also in the film. And they also helped us out. I mean, obviously that big opening in the film with all those snowmobiles, that was a huge operation. A lot of riders from Lincoln. Um, 
but all those scenes, the bike ridings, everybody, you know, came through. I mean, I think our special thanks to everybody in Lincoln is, you know, hundreds of names. Um, so just so thankful that we managed to, to make the film there and, and the community worked with us. So in a way, those were the toughest critics, critics, um, uh, because you wanted them to like it more than anybody else. Um, and, and I, th- I think, you know, even though the film is very expressive, it's not your traditional filmmaking. I think there's still this, uh, kind of you know, connectivity that people who are in the physical world and outdoors can have to the film. That's different than maybe some coastal elites, you know? So, um, um, you know, it's very excited to, to get their blessings and, and then also with, the Montana film community as well. Uh, you know, two thirds of our crew was Montana um, um, based. So that was really great to just connect with the people that we had made the film with. And once again, just very thankful that, uh, you know, Montana kind of opened their arms and, um, and we were able to kind of make this untraditional film over you know entire year and people had us back into their lives so it was very touching experience and it was also just great to see everybody as well because we had obviously not been back during this whole covid phase for the last two years so to reconnect with some of the people that we made friends with some of the people that are in the movie um and even meet new people you know for instance uh the librarian's son came out and um i'd never met him and obviously he plays a, a role in the in the movie and um and just to hear his his stories and for him to see all this Ted Kaczynski content that's out there uh, that he's always thought was super unbelievable. But to finally give us the blessing for our film that we had gotten it right was huge. You know, and that was somebody who really did deal with Ted Kaczynski on a weekly basis. Um, and I think it's also important to, to acknowledge, you know, that Lincoln went through a pretty traumatic uh, experience after the arrest. And I think for some people just who knew Ted Kaczynski, who was suddenly ripped away and he was public enemy number one. Um, that was traumatic, but also the media that was there for two, three months and, uh, invaded their town and treated them pretty poorly and depicted them pretty poorly. So rightfully they were pretty skeptical of people coming in and wanting to open up and talk about Ted Kaczynski again. But I think there was excitement to tell the Lincoln version. And I, I hope, you know, that we did. And according to most people, we did. Well, Tony, thank you so much for carving out some time to ch- chat. It's, I mean, fascinating to hear about the, the backstory behind it. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Sure. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks again to Tony Stone for joining the podcast. And if you want to watch Ted K, you can do so at several theaters in Montana or stream it online at Amazon Prime. Now, here are some of the top stories from the last week as of 10 p.m. Thursday, March 17th. Residents have recently begun moving into the Silver Brook Apartments, a new high-end apartment complex that will have a total of 228 units when it's completed, along with a clubhouse and two dog parks, just one section of an apartment community in North Kalispell off of U.S. Highway 93. Construction crews finished the first 27 apartments and plan to complete the 5,000-square-foot clubhouse in August, which will include the management office, meeting rooms, a gourmet kitchen, a ski and bike repair shop, a pet washing station, a pool with an infinity waterfall, and a 226-square-foot hot tub. 
The one, two, and three bedroom pet-friendly apartments will come with high-end light fixtures, a washer and dryer, and there will be carports and garages available on the property. Apartments range from $1,450 to $1,800 a month with the additional fee for pets, and there will also be two bark parks on the location. Residents will also receive a discount at the nearby World Gym. Down in Lakeside, Blacktail Mountain Ski Resort recently announced it was joining a reciprocal season pass program that offers local pass holders access to 17 winter destinations in the U.S., Canada, and Japan. Spanning three countries and both hemispheres, the Powder Alliance program is one of the world's most powerful reciprocal programs, offering top-tier pass holders three days at 17 different winter ski resorts. Included in the Powder Alliance resorts for 2022 and 2023 are Bogus Basin in Idaho, Castle Mountain Resort in Alberta, Loveland Ski Area in Colorado, Eagle Crest, Alaska, Mission Ridge, Washington, Silver Mountain in Idaho, and White Pass, Washington. And just north of us, Canada has announced they will no longer require a pre-arrival COVID-19 test for vaccinated travelers as of April 1st. However, the United States still requires a negative COVID-19 test to enter. That's all I've got for you today. I hope that you were able to go have a safe, fun St. Patrick's Day yesterday. And as always, even after St. Patrick's Day, you can stay up to date on all the latest news at flatheadbeacon.com. Music in this episode included songs by local Flathead Valley artist Mike Murray, who is nice enough to let us use them. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.